1: Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.
2: Ever feel like someone's always watching you? You know the feeling, but when you turn around, nobody's there? Well, I get that feeling all the time. I don't even know when it started. All I know is that I've been starting to notice them when I began working for Elaine. I met her during a job fair. Our high school had a booth, and we were there so that us kids could learn what kinds of careers we could go into in the future. I was a computer whiz, and so I knew I wanted to be in an exciting startup or multi-billion dollar firm in Silicon Valley. I didn't even bother looking at the brochure Elaine gave me when I heard her company was offering a position as a back-end developer for a private investigator agency. I was voted most likely to take over Google, and I guess that went to my head a little. But months later, when I failed to secure a position at all the major companies in Silicon Valley, I was brought low. I guess you could say I was humbled. I didn't know the screening process and the requirements would be that stringent, and I didn't want to disappoint my family and my school. So I was seriously considering going to college, even though I didn't want to. But then I realized how much money it would cost, and my parents weren't well off at all. I didn't want to work my whole life paying for student loans either. So after weighing my options, I instead applied for a tiny startup at some guy's basement. Their letter arrived the same day that I got a weird envelope from Elaine's private investigator firm. Once again, she offered me a job. She said she had been following my career as an amateur hacker. She must have googled that I had participated in some hackathons in the state. Uh, I ignored her letter again, and I was about to actually sign my new contract with that startup when I took a glance at Elaine's letter and saw something I didn't even notice. At the very bottom of the letter, she wrote a number. I thought it was a phone number at first, so I didn't even see it. But the reason why it looked like a phone number was because of the amount of zeros. She was offering to pay me five times more than I would make at that startup. My hands began to tremble. I had to dial her number three times because I couldn't stop shaking from nervousness. Uh, hello? Henry, I've been waiting for your call. I'm glad you reached out. Uh, Hi, Miss Elaine. I I think there was an error in the letter you sent me. There seems to be too many zeros on this figure. Elaine laughed, and I only then noticed that she had such a beautiful voice. Oh, no, dear. That's what you'll be making if you work for us. There was no error. I couldn't believe my ears. I had to double-check. No, triple-check. Uh, are you sure? And and it'll be in my contract, right? (laughs) Of course, sweetheart. Your contract's already drafted and waiting for you to sign it. I felt like I was floating. I felt like I won the lottery. Uh, When can I start? Come in at nine in the morning tomorrow. We wear ties here, so look sharp. You don't have to bring anything. The company will provide you with whatever you need. Laptops, servers, and however many monitors you want. I I I look forward to seeing you, Miss Elaine. Uh, Thank you so much for this, this opportunity. Just call me Elaine. I'm only a few years older than you, after all. I didn't get to sleep that night. I tried, but I was buzzing with excitement. It felt like electricity was rushing through my body. When the clock hit 7, I got up, made myself breakfast, and got ready. I brushed my teeth twice just to make sure, and I made my way to my new office. It was lucky that I decided to leave an hour earlier, because I had no idea where it was. The place was so tucked away in the middle of Chinatown that you wouldn't have guessed that such a fancy place was in there. The door was this tiny gate that didn't even have a sign. I only found out because I saw someone go in with a package that had the same logo as Elaine's letterhead. The gate led to a narrow alley, which led to a staircase, and when I went up, I realized that the agency was on top of the Chinese restaurant that I stood in front of for a good 10 minutes. I guess for a private investigator agency, it really fit the bill. Only, you'd have to be an investigator as well if you wanted to find their offices. Elaine introduced me to my new colleagues. It was a small team. There were maybe four investigators, two clerks, an accountant, and me, the tech guy. But for some strange reason, there were always men and women. Some of them dressed in suits, the other wearing anything from mailman uniforms to gardener's outfits. They would all go through that one strange door at the end of the hall, but then I'd never see them come out. Miss Elaine, what's that door? Oh, that? It's not important. It's some other company. And that was the end of that. I sensed that Elaine wasn't going to tell me more, so I didn't press. The company gave me everything I wanted. When I wanted a new server room installed, they tore down an entire office for me and put in the best equipment and climate control that money could buy. Elaine bought me three laptops, all sporting the absolute latest GPUs that weren't even on the market yet. I coded software for the investigators to use. I developed apps for surveillance and communications. I programmed the software for their bugging and camera technologies that they used in the field. I was even able to create a program that made it easier for them to track a person's whereabouts without installing a tracker. With my work, Elaine's company was able to easily identify and find missing persons and other people who were on the run. I'm sure I'll get in trouble for saying this, but when we badly needed to find someone, I would hack into the street cameras in the city's CCTV network, and then I would use my very own facial recognition software to quickly rifle through millions of frames to find them. For the nastier persons of interest, I would fish them. Sometimes it'd be an official-looking announcement or someone trying to tell them they'd want something. We got the bad guys every single time. My desk was massive, and I had six monitors. I felt like the real deal. But that was when the strange occurrences began. One time, when I was standing by the water cooler waiting for my turn, the hairs on the back of my neck picked up. I quickly looked behind me and saw that the camera CCTV was staring right at me. I stared into it, confused. I swear that thing's looking at me. Uh, sorry, what? I looked back at the camera, only to find it facing the other direction. I shook my head in confusion. Uh, Nothing. I was just imagining things. It didn't stop there, though. There were times when I'd be the only one left in the office, and I'd get that feeling again. The one where you feel someone's looking at you. But when I looked outside the windows, when I checked every room in the office, there was nobody else. One evening, I had to run out of there, because all the cameras in the room began pointing towards me. It was so creepy. But even at home, I didn't feel safe. I would lay awake at night just listening to the noises because I felt like someone was following me. One time, I swear I heard a camera click, but when I looked outside my window, there was nothing, just an owl sitting on a tree. Some days, I would wear dark sunglasses, wear hats and the most boring of jackets, just to blend into the crowd and avoid someone following me or recognizing me. Once, I could have sworn I caught someone with a camera following me, and that was when I began having my theories. I'd always wondered why I felt so special, why my life was like a movie, like it was all fake. And then I realized, it is. My life is probably a movie, and that was why there were cameras following me. Another theory I had was that the government was watching me. It kept me up at night. They probably know that I was hacking into their systems for our company, and I was so scared that they'd one day jump out of the bushes and arrest me. My last theory was a bit more far-fetched, but if it wasn't either of the first two, I thought it would be that. I theorized that I was living in a simulation. It was probably why things felt too easy, and maybe that door at the back of the office was a glitch. People kept going in, but they never came out. And then there was Elaine's office. I knew that glass panel was a two-way mirror. I could tell. So one random day, I decided to find out for myself. What was in her office? Was it just a normal office? Was it a producer's room for my life's movie? Were the government agents hiding there? Or was it just a bunch of wires supporting our simulation life? All I knew is that that secretive room had all the answers. So I got up from my desk and opened the door. My colleagues all stood up at the same time and tried to stop me. But it was too late. In that room was Elaine. There were hundreds of monitors. The largest of them showed my empty desk. There were at least 20 of them showing various areas of my house. One of them was walking through a crowded street. Another was just outside the Chinese restaurant. I i knew it. They were producing the movie of my life. I was so ready to blurt it out when Elaine panicked and confessed to everything. I, I'm so sorry. I brought you here because I have a huge crush on you. I... I wanted to know your every move. But I couldn't bring up the courage to tell you. I've been watching you since we met on that hackathon five years ago. I'm calling the cops. Please, please don't. It's all my fault. But please, I'll lose my job. Finally, I had something to bargain with. I'd wanted to know what that door at the end of the hall was, and Elaine finally confessed. Our agency was fake. The door at the end of the hall was the entrance to a secret government facility. They enter at the door and come out of a tunnel two blocks away. And all this time, I had been working as a spy. No wonder I was earning so much. Elaine was my handler, and after that day, she finally took me through that door. And I became a real spy now elaine and i work on international cases i still catch her watching me sometimes but it doesn't bother me anymore especially now that she's my girlfriend
3: dad opened the flap of my tent hey darius i need the backyard to set up my birthday party i nodded
4: as dad walked back to the house i packed up my tent and placed my belongings in my black duffel bag that night dad allowed me to sleep in his car that was parked in the garage You may be wondering what type of parents would make their 16-year-old live in a tent in their backyard or even sleep in their car when they have a house. Well, honestly, I left my parents with no choice. Continue watching my story and you'll see what I mean. When I was about 15 years old, I wasn't allowed to go out with my friends unless chaperoned by one of my parents. While my other friends were able to enjoy life and date, I decided to stay at home. How embarrassing would it be if my parents were at the same table hanging out with my friends? My younger sister grace didn't mind but i wanted the freedom that my other friends had i found that freedom with a group of older boys i honestly can't remember how we began to hang together i just remember we used to hang out a lot but these boys lived in nicer neighborhoods than i did and their parents were doctors and lawyers so i was quite surprised when i realized the kind of things they did as much as i wanted my freedom this freedom came with choices and consequences which i didn't understand at the time Anyway, my new friends embraced me, and to prove myself, I did everything that they wanted me to do, including skipping school. As long as I did everything they wanted, they got me new clothes and shoes and anything else that I wanted.
3: Life was good. Hey D, we're heading to the mall. Are you coming?
4: Blake asked as he approached me one morning as soon as I walked through the school gates. Yeah, sure. I fell into step with the other boys. While at the mall, Blake whispered to me,
3: Okay, it's your turn. See that black hoodie? the one for $250? Yup, that's the one. If you get that for me, I'll trade you my new sneakers that mom got me.
4: I nodded and walked towards the rack. Even though I shoplifted a few times before, this was the one time when my life was changed because of it. I snuck into the dressing room and put on the hoodie under my sweater. As I was about to open the dresser door, I saw a little girl looking up at me from below the door. As I unlocked the door, she ran away and called out to her mom.
1: Mommy, Mommy, I saw that boy over there put on a hoodie under his clothes.
4: I tried to hustle out of the store before they identified who the little girl pointed towards, but I was caught by the security guard just before I stepped out of the door. Blake and the rest of the guys were rounded up after the security guard looked at the store security tape, and we were all taken to the holding center.
1: We've raised you better than this,
4: Mom said angrily as we walked out to the car. Mom and Dad took the rest of the day off to come bail me out of the mall. The owner was adamant that he would be pressing charges.
3: We don't have money for an expensive lawyer like your rich friends, Darius, Dad said sternly
4: as he hopped behind the wheel. During the hearing, Blake and the others were presented by one lawyer, the very prestigious Dwight Hansford, while I was represented by a legal aid lawyer who mixed up my hearing time with another client's. I was sent to six months in the youth detention facility while Blake and the others got six weeks of community service. Mom visited me every weekend, but Dad never did. Every weekend, Mom made an excuse that Dad had to work, but I didn't buy it. After six months, I came out and promised my parents that I would turn over a new leaf. However, as soon as I got a chance, I was back with my boys. When my parents found out, I was grounded for two months. That didn't stop me. I snuck out at night and returned before my parents woke up. This worked great until Grace caught me.
1: Where are you going?
4: She asked as I unlocked the front door. It's none of your business. I glared at her.
1: It may be none of my business, but I'm sure it would be mom and dad's business.
4: She smiled and she turned to head to their bedroom. I grabbed her arm and yanked it until she was facing me. Ouch! She pulled her hand away and rubbed it. You better not tell mom and dad. I clenched my fist. Or what? I slammed Grace against the wall and slapped her. She screamed out, which made mom and dad run from their room. What is going on here? Dad shouted as mom comforted Grace. Grace told mom and dad what happened and dad added three more months to my punishment. I laughed. You really think you can keep me locked away in this house for five months? I opened the front door. Dad growled. If you walk out this door, don't you dare walk back in! I pulled my hoodie over my head and looked dad squarely in the eyes. Fine. I slammed the door as I stepped into the cold night air. I met the guys at the park where we hung out for a few hours. When it was time to go home, I asked if it was possible to sleep by one of them for the night since dad kicked me out. They all said that they couldn't risk their parents finding out that they were keeping a stranger at their house. That night, I slept in an abandoned building. The next day, the guys pretended that they didn't know who I was, and they told me I needed to take a bath. He's such a loser, Blake laughed as they walked away. I spent the next three months begging for money for food, sleeping in abandoned buildings and taking food out of the trash as soon as someone threw away their leftovers. I thought I didn't need anyone, but the truth was I missed my family, mom, dad, and even my annoying little sister. I missed them most when I saw families coming to the park on weekends. I woke up one morning and decided it was time to go home. I was grateful when I walked up the driveway and only saw mom's car in the driveway. I knocked on the door and waited. As soon as mom opened the door, she threw her arms around me and began to cry. I'm so sorry, mom. I held her tightly. She ushered me into the house.
1: I'm so glad you're home. Go take a bath, then come to the kitchen to have a proper meal.
4: With that, mom bustled to the kitchen. I went to my room, surprised to see everything just as I left it. I showered quickly and ate the meal mom prepared before crawling into the comfort of my bed. It wasn't long before I fell asleep. I woke when someone grabbed my feet violently. My eyes flew open and my gaze fell upon my dad. He didn't say anything. Dad dragged me out of bed by my legs and into the backyard. Mom tried to stop him, but dad was a man on a
3: mission. You are not allowed inside my house until you've earned your spot. You can't go away for three months and come back as if nothing happened.
4: Dad walked back into the house. Mom got me the tent from the garage. I apologized to Grace and just like mom, she forgave me quickly. Dad only allowed me to go into the house to use the bathroom. Mom spoke with the principal and she agreed to give me one more chance in school. After my homeless experience, I was determined to turn my life around. I even got a job two blocks away at a supermarket after school. I gave most of the money to mom and kept the rest to buy anything that I needed. One afternoon, while dad was home alone, I headed inside to use the bathroom. After I came out, I heard some grunts coming from the living room so I went to investigate. When I got there, I saw dad slumped over his armchair, his hand clutched his chest. Immediately I rushed to the phone and called an ambulance, then mom to tell her what was going on. She told me to go with dad to the hospital and she would meet us there. As soon as we arrived at the hospital, they wheeled dad to the operating room. Mom arrived 15 minutes later with Grace. We sat in the waiting room too afraid to talk, too afraid to mention the possibility that dad may not make it. A doctor entered the waiting room a few hours later.
1: Family of Trevor Hall? Yes.
4: Mom shot up from her chair.
1: Your husband is out of surgery. He had a heart attack, which means that we need to keep him for observation for the next few days before we are able to discharge him. It also means that he needs to keep his stress levels down. If Mr. Hall didn't get to us when he did, we would be having a different conversation. You can see him for a few minutes, but then he needs to rest. Mr. Hall, your family is here to see you.
4: The doctor turned to us.
1: You only have a few minutes.
4: We nodded, and the doctor left the room. Mom and Grace hugged Dad while I stood by the door. When Grace and Mom pulled away, Dad asked Mom and Grace if they could give him and I a few minutes to talk. Mom and Grace left, but I didn't move any closer to Dad.
3: Dad motioned for me to come closer, which I did. When I was your age, I hung out with the wrong crowd doing petty theft. By the time I was 21, I was robbing banks. Just like you, I was the only one from my crew who got caught and I spent seven years in prison. When I came out, I swore to be better, but with my criminal record, nobody wanted to hire me, so I opened my own car dealership. I saw myself in you, and I don't want you to have the same hardships I did."
4: Tears streamed down Dad's face. I hugged Dad. After a few minutes, the doctor came in and told me Dad needed his rest. Dad looked at me.
3: "'You have earned your place and saved my life. You can come back into the house.'
4: About two weeks after his heart attack, Dad returned home. The weeks that followed, I worked hard to build my family's trust. One evening, there was a knock on the door and Mom went to answer it. At the front door stood two police officers.
1: Good evening, officers. How can I help you?
3: We're here to question Darius Hall, ma'am. Is he around? What do you want with him? We just need to ask him a few questions.
4: Mom called Dad and I to the front door.
3: Good evening, Mr. Hall.
4: One officer addressed me.
3: Over the past few days, there's been a series of robberies in the area. The only place it wasn't broken into is your home. We would like to take you to the station for questioning."
4: Dad looked at me.
3: Darius, do you know anything about these robberies?
4: No, I don't.
3: We can sort this out at the station.
4: The other officer replied.
3: Darius, you stay with them. I'll follow behind and don't answer any questions until I get there.
4: Dad said. I nodded and allowed the officers to take me to the station. Dad and a man dressed in a suit arrived at the police station about five minutes after we did. We entered the interrogation room and the lawyer, Mr. Mitchell, turned to the police officers.
3: Do you have any proof that Mr. Hall was involved in these robberies? No, that's why we've brought him here to ask questions. Do you have any evidence leading to Mr. Hall being a suspect in this case?
4: The officers looked at each other but didn't say anything.
3: My client will have no problem answering any of your questions if you find proof that he was involved in this. My suggestion to you officers is to go out and find the person who did this instead of placing blame on someone with a past record. For all you know, the thieves were probably going to rob their home tonight and you showed up and scared them off.
4: We stood up and left the interrogation room. Dad and I thanked Mr. Mitchell and headed home. While in the car, I thanked Dad for believing me and told him how much it meant to have his support. He said that he was serious about giving me another chance and that meant believing what I said over what other people thought of me. When we got home, dad filled mom in on what happened and I headed to bed. Two days later, I met Blake at his house. Thanks for the money B, I really appreciate it.
3: No problem, I realized that we left you hanging a few months back and we wanted to do this solid for you.
4: You may be wondering why I went to Blake's to collect the money. Well, shortly after dad came home from the hospital, I heard him and mom talking about the hospital bill. They wanted to take out a mortgage on the house, even though they weren't sure how they were going to repay it mom and dad worked hard to pay off the mortgage so they wouldn't have to worry about having a roof over their head i couldn't let them jeopardize that especially after my experience with being homeless as i sat in my room wondering how i was going to help them blake gave me a call and he told me he wanted to help i knew blake and the boys did the robberies did i feel bad about what they did not really since no one was hurt i knew i couldn't give mom all the money at once because she would question where i got it so i'm giving it to her in parts I told her that it's from working extra hours at the grocery store. With Dad under the weather, the responsibility of taking care of my family falls on my shoulders, and I will do whatever it takes to make sure my family has everything they need, no matter what. Am I making a big mistake? Let me know in the comments below.
5: Hello, I'm Ewan, and I was broke as heck until my dad married a billionaire. Now my stepsisters are fighting over me. My dad and I lived in an old trailer. We never really had a permanent home. I grew up on the road, sitting in the passenger seat, as my dad took us to wherever he could find a job or a new girlfriend. I never even got to go to school. My dad homeschooled me. Now, you might be thinking, Well, that sounds like the dream! You don't have to wake up early to catch the bus! But here's the thing. I wished I could go to school so I could make friends. The only other living being I got to talk to besides my dad was our cat, and Lola wasn't a big fan of people. Besides, Dad was awful at teaching, and I really wanted to learn. Thankfully, the internet exists. My dad was a singer, but his career never really took off, so for the most part, he'd just drive to any town that had a bar and he'd do his best to convince whoever ran the place to let him sing for a couple nights. Sometimes it worked out pretty well. Sometimes we went days without food. Until one night, when our fortunes finally changed. Dad was singing at a dilapidated bar in some dusty town we were just passing through. He never expected to get paid. We just needed somewhere to park. But that night, a very special lady was sitting at the bar. Miss Geneva was visiting her grandparents' graves. She came from that tiny ghost town. But now, she was a billionaire thanks to the fact that she was once a well-known beauty queen and a rich producer married her. Miss Geneva took an instant liking to my dad. She couldn't stop gushing about his voice and made a point to stay well after the last people had left the bar. She even hung out with us at our smelly trailer. That night, the two stayed up late exchanging stories and singing along to my dad's guitar. It was the one thing of value that he owned. But that was about to change. In a couple of weeks, we drove to Vegas, and Dad married Miss Geneva. From then on, I called her Mom. Our lives changed in an instant. Lucky we stopped at the bar that night, and lucky my new stepmom's old husband had left her a fortune. When we got to our new house, my jaw dropped to the ground. I never understood what rich really meant until I saw her house. So, this is where billionaires live? I didn't even realize I said it out loud until my new stepmom let out a belly laugh. (laughs) Bless your soul, sweetie. Wait until you see the swimming pool. Oh, I can't wait for you to meet your sisters. Yep, that's right. Apparently my stepmom's old husband also left her with another thing. Another three things, actually. In the blink of an eye, I went from being the only kid to having triplet sisters. When I saw the pool, I was speechless. It really was something. But when I finally met my sisters, I died for a second. Talia, Simone, and Trina were the most beautiful girls I'd ever seen. And when they hugged me to welcome me to the family, I felt like I'd gone to heaven. Now, don't blame me for crushing on my stepsisters. If you could see them, you'd wish you were in my shoes, too. I finally got to go to school, and from having literally no friends, I had at least three. Soon enough, Talia, Simone, and Trina also introduced me to their friends, and I got pretty popular thanks to them, and thanks to my life story. Everyone at the school was either born rich or grew up getting rich. Nobody really had any friends who were poor, and so when they met me, all they kept asking me was weird questions. And don't get me wrong, I loved the attention, but most of the time, I wished I could have my stepsisters to myself. Turned out, my sisters thought the same thing, because only a couple of months later, they started fighting, and they were fighting over me. But I saw him first, and I introduced myself first. I should be his best friend. What are you even talking about, Simone? Mom told me about him first. That doesn't make either of you his best friend, Obviously, I get to have dibs because I'm the oldest. Oh, shut up, Talia. You're always going on about being the eldest. You're not even that much older. We're literally minutes apart. That was when Mom stepped in. Now, girls, I know you love your new brother, but I'm sure there's enough of him to go around. But the girls had been spoiled from birth, and there was no reasoning with them, until finally Mom gave up and said, Well, I think Owen should decide, shouldn't he? And that was when it began. All day, every day, the girls tried to outdo each other. And that competition continued until after high school. Only then, they weren't competing to be my best friend anymore. They were fighting for who got to be my girlfriend. I dated here and there, but it never went anywhere. Mostly because I never could find any other girls who were as beautiful, as feisty, or as loving as my stepsisters. And also because any girl who ever dared come near me was met by three girls who would swiftly shoo them away. When I turned eighteen, Talia got me a Tesla. And immediately after that, Trina gifted me a horse that cost twice the car. Not to be outdone, Simone surprised me on the same day with a yacht. Just because I mentioned one time that I wanted to travel like my dad someday. Choose! What? You have to choose. Who gave you the best birthday gift? Whoever gave you the best birthday gift deserves to be your girlfriend. I... 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 I really don't think I should decide based on that. Then what? I think my girlfriend should be someone who knows me inside and out. And I think, say no more. Girls, may the best triplet win. A week later, I opened my bedroom door to find the most expensive PC I'd ever seen. And attached to it was a note from Simone. Here's for your gaming needs. You like games, don't you? It comes preloaded with all the games on your Steam wishlist. Enjoy, and I hope this proves that I know you the most. Then, a couple of days later, I saw the biggest, most blinged-out, coolest RV I'd ever seen in my life parked outside the house with my name on it. When I went to check inside, a video message from Talia began to play. Congrats on your new RV! I realized I was wrong to give you a simpler supercar last time. You said you wanted to travel like your dad, and I realize now you wanted to travel the same way your dad did. So... Here's something that will give you the same experience, but in full-on luxury style. I even had them install a hot tub on the roof, so you can enjoy a soak while looking at the stars. Now, why don't you schedule a romantic getaway with me? I obviously win, right? That was when the video cut off. And that was when Trina's gift arrived, too. It was a very fancy limo with a driver and a butler. At first, I thought that was the gift itself, but the butler laughed and he just guided me into the limo, saying that my gift was waiting outside the estate. Five minutes later, I saw Trina waiting for me at the airstrip. Her gift was a jet, and an entire crew to help me fly around the world, something I'd only thought was a far-off dream when I was a kid. Simone and Talia were there too, and they were not happy that their sister clearly outdid them with the grand gestures. Just because you gave him the most expensive thing doesn't mean you win. Yeah, Tolly is right. Then they all turned to me. So uh, Huh? So who won? I I don't know. You really don't have to give me any of these. I, I can't choose. That made my stepsisters mad. Then you'll have to pay us back. Pay you back? Yes, pay us back for all these gifts. Make a decision or pay us back. My stepmom was rich. My sisters were rich. But not me. I just lived with them, so all I could say was... How? You'll be our servant for a year. And after that, you're going to have to make a decision. That was how I got hired as my stepsister's servant. It was my turn to spoil them, and the only way I could. I didn't really get paid, but whatever I did for them, they deducted an amount from the money they spent on my gifts. It was a thousand bucks for taking them out on a date, two thousand for making them breakfast. When I drove them around town, it was five thousand, and for holding their hands in public, fifty. Whenever they'd kiss me, they'd deduct a hundred thousand from my debt. I did their laundry, I packed their lunches, and they made me read them bedtime stories so they could sleep. And in a year, I'd worked off all my debt.
0: Hold up!